The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show. I am so glad today happened to fall on a day when we're doing Facebook Live. Welcome to the audience on the Blaze Facebook page presence. This is going to be one you want to gather the office around. This is going to be one where you maybe... The kids are still on vacation, right? Kids are still on vacation. So the kids... The kids can benefit from this, too, because we are going to demonstrate to you guys, especially if your children want to have a career one day in journalism, what not to do. And a clinic on what not to do was put on to a lesser degree by a reporter of the New York Times, a guy by the name of Glenn Thrush, and to a greater extent by a guy by the name of Jim Acosta, who pretends to be a reporter and I will illustrate all of this coming up here on Facebook Live and uh, on the Chris Salcedo show. If you want to call in and weigh in, 888-900-3393. 3393 that's the phone number. Theblaze.com, go there slash radio. That's how you listen to this program live. You can go to Blaze Radio smartphone app, the uh, iHeartRadio app. While you're at blaze.com, make sure you check out the channels section and that is where you can find the presence of the Chris Salcedo Show at TheBlaze.com. Uh, social media. Keep up with us on Twitter, if you will. And we have been very active on Twitter. Saying hello to one Jim Acosta over at CNN. Uh, also on Facebook, The Chris Salcedo Show. I'm missing anything? Oh, yeah. By the way, on the Facebook page, there is an email link if you want to drop me a line that way. And why is this important? What if what if you guys, excuse me, I'm putting my phone down because it's it's vibrating here on my on my broadcast desk. Uh, why is this important to you? It, say you're not endeavoring to be a journalist. Say your children aren't endeavoring to be a journalist. Why is what I'm about to get into? Why does it make a tinker's damn bit of difference in your life? And I'm going to tell you why. Because there was a time in this country and it's been waning in the last, well, 20 or so years where you could rely on the press when the press actually was a, a voice for you. We got into this earlier in the week, and for those of you on Facebook Live, you probably didn't know about it unless you were on the on the Chris Salcedo Show Blaze page. But we made the case that conservative talk radio is the last bastion of media that is actually not only looking out for you, but also listening to you. The Democrat Party hasn't done that in years. And the Republican Party, as evidenced by John McCain's shenanigans and other Republican shenanigans, uh, demonstrated that fully. Uh, in particular, the, the most recent example, of course, with that failed health care debacle from the Republican Party. So when, when I tell you, when I'm about ready to tell you about 
news and the current state of news, and it's not news anymore. It's not journalism anymore. It's propaganda. And I'm going to illustrate this to you guys. And I'm going to take, I'm going to take some time because the way you make informed decisions about who you're going to put in your city council, about who you're going to put into your uh, uh, governor's races, who, who you vote for to represent you in Congress or in, in the both political parties today not represent you in Congress, who you vote for as president, you need to, to, to know and understand that the press is no longer your ally and they haven't been an ally for an awful long time. What Glenn Thrush and Jim Acosta did yesterday, for the whole world to see, the New York Times and CNN, proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that they were there to propagandize and not inform, that they were there to to advance their own personal ideals, not to inform you, and actually not even operate in your best interest. Now, did they have... A best interest in mind? Yes. They had the best interest of the Democrat Party in mind. They had the best interest of foreign-born nationals, their interests in mind, but not yours if you're an American citizen or if you came to this country legally. Now, this is all surrounding this White House policy. Uh, and not, actually, two Republican senators rolled out the policy, and Donald Trump's all, all on board, reforming the way we grant green cards and access to work here in the United States. It's not even comprehensive immigration reform. And by the way, to all you folks on Facebook Live who didn't hear me say this yesterday, when you hear the words comprehensive in front of any bill, run like hell. Because what it means is, is it's going to emulate Obamacare. You know, 2,900 pages designed to confuse and obfuscate what government is really going to be doing to you. So when you hear comprehensive immigration reform, that's going to be immigration reform that you don't have a tinker's damn bit of a chance of understanding. All right? It is best to do incremental steps on legal and immigration reform so that it is fully transparent to the American people. To know what their government is doing allegedly in your name. So let's get into this. Uh, very narrow focus of the White House and those two Republican senators. And to be quite honest, Democrats and Republicans alike have been talking about the need for this type of reform for the better part of a decade or two. And the last time we reformed our immigration system, what has it been, 50 years? Close to 60 years? And contrary to what Jim Acosta or Glenn Thrush might want to say, the United States has changed significantly, both economically and demographically, in those intervening years. And it would be irresponsible, negligent, if the government didn't change with the times. Here's White House policy advisor. His name is uh, Stephen Miller. And he was warning lawmakers that the overwhelming majority of the American people, they want this. They want this, and if you don't back it, there will be a consequence. That over time you're going to see massive public push for this kind of legislation because immigration affects every aspect of our lives. It affects our schools, our hospitals, our working conditions, our labor market, our tax base. 
our communities, and it's a deeply personal issue for Americans. And so you're going to see massive public support for this. And ultimately, members of Congress will have a choice to make. They can either vote with the interests of U.S. citizens and U.S. workers, or they can vote against their interests. And whatever happens as a result of that, I think, would be somewhat predictable. No kidding. Meaning you're out of office. And this is, this is a bipartisan discussion, folks. It's not just Republicans and Democrats. All right, I mean, it's not just Republicans or it's not just Democrats. It's both. Independents, too. How, what is the best recipe for immigration for the benefit of the United States and our citizens? Citizens of this country. Not what's best for... Uh, well, you're going to hear a, a great bit of analysis by Charles Krauthammer in a minute. But what this policy that was rolled out yesterday does... It's a a merit-based system. It stops chain migration. Uh, Chain migration is when uh, somebody gets in, gets a green card, then all of a sudden he can invite his aged grandmother, can invite, uh, who can invite some other uh, member of the family, who can invite some other member of the family. And, And again, some of these people are not even able to work or be productive. They go immediately on government assistance. And that works to the detriment of the U.S. taxpayer, which is who this is designed to benefit, those who work. Now, (laughs) I'm going to say something rather controversial, but I think it bears out. There's a comic out there, and you guys ought to find it. It's of the first Thanksgiving. And you see a man and a woman. uh, The woman is holding a bundle full of wood. She's got food in her arms, and the guy's got... Under one arm, the turkey, and then he's got wood, and they're and they're getting ready to put on the feast. And they look over and they see a guy smoking a pipe, just lounging on a rock. And it says, "So when's dinner?" And the caption reads, "The Democrat Party is born." <laughs> the, the minute we start talking about merit, the minute we start talking about work and benefiting those who work, about half the Democrat Party tunes out. And I'm talking about the half that's in California, the elitists out there, not not flyover country Democrats, but the the Democrats who populate Washington, D.C. and other pockets that you all know very well. So this policy, which stops chain migration, which which gives extra credit to those who have degrees, those who have positive skill sets to donate right away to the American fabric, they get special consideration. Those who would get a job that would pay well, they would, they would all, all automatically start contributing to the tax base. They get special credit on this, on this point system. Now, already, there are detractors saying, oh, that's just so racist. I don't know what the hell that means. That's just so racist. Okay. So, Other countries like Canada, New Zealand, Australia, who use these type of merit-based systems, the UK to a degree, these merit-based systems, oh, these countries are all racist? Is that what we're to understand? Charles Krauthammer at Fox News put it brilliantly yesterday. I I love the hypocrisy of the liberals who are so shocked by this. People who sort of swoon over Canada's uh, progressivism with its national health care. And it's a matinee star liberal prime minister who want him to be the leader here. All of a sudden, when the U.S. proposes essentially the Canadian system, the merit-based system, 
are shocked at how mean and racist it is. <laughs> this is a no-brainer. We, here's the analogy. The United States is the place everybody wants to go, every immigrant. You find somebody on a raft in the South China Sea where they want to go, United States. We have the top 100 draft picks of the NBA, and instead we choose to pick people randomly out of the Karachi phone book. <laughs> what, he's, what he's saying is, is that we have our, our choice of those who are educated, who can come here and immediately contribute and not get on public assistance. And instead, and I know there's, there's a political motivation behind this by the aforementioned Democrat slash liberals. Instead, we're choosing to import individuals who are not necessarily productive. As if America is the welfare state for the entire world. How many of you signed up for that? How many of you think that's in the best interest of the United States? And if it is indeed racist, then are all of these other countries who use similar systems that this is patterned after, are they equally racist? And how many Democrats will jump on television to make that declaration? I, I will play these sound bites from Glenn Thrush and from Jim Acosta. Coming up, the Chris Salcedo Show. Don't go anywhere, folks. Join us on the Blaze Radio right now. Be right back. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo Show. Conservative Talk Radio with Spice. Uh, breaking news, folks. Uh, judge handing out a sentence. You guys remember that story about that girl who texted her boyfriend to commit suicide? Said, go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. And some folks thought she was liable. Well, she just got 15 months in prison. Well, actually, she was sentenced to two and a half years. But she'll only serve 15 months in prison. Can you believe this? For texting. For texting someone to commit suicide and you shoulder the blame. I, well, I, I would imagine it's going to be appealed. But man alive. I just, I'm sure we're going to hear more about this in the coming days. What a precedent that sets. I mean, can you imagine all those people who make money off of data? How many people are going to be shy now about texting anything? You can be held criminally liable. Good grief. Welcome back, everybody. It's Chris Salcedo's show. So yesterday, we carried much of this live in this hour. But since then, we've, we've cut up and, and dissected and analyzed some of these statements that were being made yesterday by the perpetrators in the White House press briefing room with Stephen Miller, the White House advisor, policy advisor. So Mr. Miller gets his First challenging question, and it's not even a challenging question. It's a, it's more of a, a temper tantrum by Glenn Thrush over at the New York Times. He used to work for Politico, from my understanding. Anywho, uh, so the White House advisor, Stephen Miller, says in response to these questions, hey, dude, when, when are you folks at the New York Times going to put American citizens first? Let's also use common sense here, folks. At the end of the day, why do special interests 
want to bring in more low-skill workers. And why historically... Yeah, I'm not asking for common sense. I'm asking for specific... Well, I think it's very clear, data. Glenn, that you're not asking many, for common sense. But if... <laughs> That's Glenn Thrush saying, I'm not asking you for common sense. I'm asking you for statistics. And this was after he had just spent about five minutes giving statistics. Glenn Thrush wanted proof that bringing in low-skilled workers was somehow resulting in higher unemployment for Americans. He wanted proof. I know, I know, I know. Glenn Thrush has no understanding of how markets work. Glenn Thrush has no earthly idea that when you flood a market full of something, it's going to drive down that price. And those who are willing to uh, sell their wares the least expensively will, will have business. It's the same with labor, folks. You're selling your labor. So if, let me put it this way. Some guy comes up, says, hey, I'll charge you 20 bucks to mow your lawn. Other guy says, I'll charge you 10. Who are you going to take? That's how it works. Now, Glenn Thrush of the New York Times has no earthly idea how that works because he's a left-winger who has never even studied I shouldn't say that. Who appears not to have even studied economics or has a clear understanding of how free markets work. So I need some statistics. I need some proof. And the White House policy advisor, Steve, Stephen Miller, had just got through citing studies and citing proof, and it wasn't enough for Mr. Thrush. I could just answer, if I could just answer your question, I named, I named. Yeah, and by the way, this whole idea of common sense, <laughs> Clem Thrush says, I'm not interested in common sense. And, and then Stephen Miller says, that's, that's, that's blatantly obvious. That the folks at the New York Times have no interest in common sense. And how, how many times have you heard elected officials try to sell you something on that with that phrase, common sense? Well, it's just common sense to tell people they can't have guns. Just common sense. <laughs> and, and then many people who own guns go, huh? What? That, that, there's no common sense there. Common sense is I should have a gun to protect myself. I have the right of self-defense according to the Constitution. That's common sense. That's why you're seeing this, this disconnect between Washington. Washington says it's common sense when it really isn't. At least Glenn Thrush had the honesty to admit that the New York Times isn't interested in common sense. I named the studies, Glenn. Glenn, 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 I named the studies. I named the studies. I asked you for a statistic. Can you tell me how many... Maybe we'll make a carve-out in the bill that says the New York Times can hire all the low-skilled, less-paid workers they want from other countries and see how you feel then. Why don't we bring in some low-skilled writers who could probably do just as good a job as you, Glenn Thrush, from overseas who will work for half your paycheck and you can be out of a job. Let's do that. Let's do a carve-out just for journalists. That, that if you're so-called journalists, if you write, uh, why don't you come on over and tell the New York Times that you'll do the same job that Glenn Thrush can do, but you'll do it for half. And then drive him out of a job. And maybe, just maybe, Glenn Thrush will get an, an understanding of how markets work. And then he might get an understanding as maybe maybe importing all this cheap labor isn't the best thing for American workers. Back in a minute. 
The Chris Salcedo Show. We'll be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo. Coming up on the show, we'll actually talk with somebody who has actually studied the economy, Maria Bartiromo from Fox Business. Coming up on the Salcedo Show, make sure you stick around. Uh, meantime, Stephen Miller continuing this back and forth with Glenn Thrush. Maybe we'll make a carve-out in the bill that says the New York Times can hire all the low-skilled, less-paid workers they want from other countries and see how you feel then about low-wage substitution. This is a reality that's happening in our country. Maybe it's time we had compassion, Glenn, for American workers. President Trump has met with American workers who've been replaced by foreign workers and asked them how this has affected their lives. Yeah, you, you, you can actually hear them. I'm not asking them. I'm asking you. The New York Times has no interest in asking everyday normal Americans about how they feel about all of this. Glenn Thrush has no concern for average everyday Americans. He doesn't give a damn about them being thrown out of their jobs. He cares about importing as many people from foreign countries as he possibly can, getting them on the, on the government's dole so they can vote for Democrats. That's Glenn Thrush's agenda. As a member in good standing of a biased news organization known as the New York Times. And he just, you see, sat there in a press briefing. I don't want to go talk to the people. Well, no kidding. No kidding. So the White House policy advisor, Stephen Miller, challenges the New York Times reporter on this whole idea that we need unskilled labor in this country. If you look at the premise, Glenn, of bringing in low-skilled labor, it's based on the idea that there's a labor shortage for lower-skilled jobs. There isn't. The number of people living in the United States in the working ages who aren't working today is at a record high. Yeah, there's no shortage of labor. Now, there's no, there is a shortage of labor who are willing to work for what these immigrants will work for. Yes, because these immigrants whether they be legal or illegal, they don't have the overhead that American citizens have. But there's a record number of people, at least back in the Obama administration, a record number of people not even in the workforce. Well, they don't want, these are jobs Americans won't do. No, they're not jobs that Americans won't do. They're jobs that Americans won't do at the price you want to pay them. They'll do them with proper compensation Oh, but that's going to make the $5 head of lettuce, which is completely, thoroughly debunked, by the way. That whole notion. So the, the, the very idea that we have a shortage of a labor force here in America and that we have to import it is insane. One in four Americans, or almost one in four Americans between the ages of 25 and 54, aren't even employed. For African-American workers, their labor force participation rate who don't have a high school diploma, I guess African-American males without a high school diploma, has plummeted some 40 percentage points since the mass wave of unskilled migration began. The reality is that if you just use common sense, and yes, I will use common sense, the reason why some companies want to bring in more unskilled labor is because they know that it drives down wages and reduces labor costs. Isn't that what we were just talking about, about how markets work? If you have more of something, if you have an abundance of something, it drives the price down, whether it be oil, whether it be corn, 
whether it be labor. And that's precisely what these individuals who are behind these types of policies are doing. They want to drive down because government has been so onerous on these corporations and on these businesses that the only way these businesses can survive, the only other place to cut is labor. In the meantime, you've got the left wing out there caterwauling for a minimum wage increase when really what they should be caterwauling is for government to get off of businesses back. Our question as a government is, to whom is our duty? Our duty is to U.S. citizens and U.S. workers to promote rising wages for them. If low-skilled immigration was an unalloyed good for the economy, then why have we been growing at 1.5% for the last 17 years? At a- Great point. Great point. Do you understand? If, if allowing everybody from every nation to come in here that's low-skilled, basically turning America into a job training program for the entire globe, if that was so hunky-dory, then why, why is our GDP, uh, this is averaging in uh, Republican and Democrat administrations, uh, g- g- not even hitting 2% growth? Why? And U.S. workers to promote rising wages for them. If low-skilled immigration was an unalloyed good for the economy, then why have we been growing at 1.5% for the last 17 years at a time of unprecedented new low-wage arrivals? It's just the facts speak for themselves. At some point, we're accountable to reality. And the other hand, like I said, you have ultra-high-skilled workers who are at the back of the line, which makes no sense in the year 2017. It's true. Why? What? Where is the prejudice against the high skilled workers who want to come to the United States? Why is there a prejudice? Why is it more meritorious to have an unskilled laborer come into the United States than a skilled laborer? Tell me. What what is so much better about getting for the country now for the United States of America? What's what what is the advantage for our nation to bring in, uh, if you, ha- and again, put, your, put it yourself, put it in your terms. A couple of guys come to your house, want to put in your pool or your irrigation system. One guy says, I've never done it before. The other guy says, I've got 10 years experience and training. Who are you going to pick? And why is it any different for our country? So that's one lesson today. The other lesson is what you guys have just been hearing. And it hasn't even gotten to the good part yet. A complete and utter lack of understanding of what is good for the United States sacrificed on the altar of progressive liberalism. As you just heard Glenn Thrush advocating for policies through his questioning, at least his questions, We'll get to Jim Acosta here in a minute, but advocating through his questions for a self-destructive policy that works against the best interests of the United States. Out of, I'm going to say in Glenn Thrush's case, it's out of ignorance, but others who Glenn Thrush follows and carries the torch for. It's intentional. And that brings us to Jim Acosta. 
You all know how I feel about Jim Acosta, a man who is constantly seeking his 15 minutes, utilizing the prestige of the White House and his press pass, which is a joke, his press pass to get up and make speeches in front of the country. He didn't earn that right. He didn't earn that right to get up and, and, and tell us about his policies. But he's, use, he's utilizing the bully pulpit of the presidency to get up there and make speeches. Now, I can tell you, this is what Democrats do. This is what politicians do. This is what propagandists do. Journalists, real journalists, don't do this. Real journalists ask questions. They don't make speeches. Jim Acosta makes speeches. Jim Acosta is, I guess, a viral video whore. And he likes to mix it up so he can be viewed as the left-wing opposition of this White House. And he's doing a marvelous job of it. Uh, And he's also a moron. He's also a moron. And we will demonstrate that. Jim Acosta getting another 15 minutes uh, opposing Trump's immigration proposal. Take one actual last question on the subject of hand. I will do. Yes. Uh, what you're proposing or what the president is proposing here does not sound like it's in keeping with American tradition when it comes to immigration. In keeping with American tradition. What's he talking about? Which era? Now, if Jim Acosta understood history or had even bothered to study a little history before coming to the press briefing, he would know that our immigration policy has fluctuated throughout our country's time on earth. And it has done so because of economic needs mostly in the United States, but also cultural shifts in the United States. And when he says the tradition of immigration into the U.S., which period is he talking about? And he doesn't seem, he seems to think that since he's been alive, Jim Acosta, the, in his mind in a way, the all-important Jim Acosta's time on the planet, that is the right and proper level of immigration. Now, he's not going to say that outright. But that's the implication by the nature of his question. Either that or he's a complete boob. A complete clueless moron who has no understanding of American history and how immigration has changed and evolved throughout the nations from the time the nation's founding all the way to present day. The Statue of Liberty says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses during the retreat. doesn't say anything about speaking English or being able to uh, be a computer programmer. Now, we brought this up yesterday, and I think it bears repeating, that the, the Statue of Liberty and that poem that's at the bottom of it, the poem is not national policy. It was not crafted by a politician. It was not uh, codified into law. It is not part of the Constitution. It is not part of the Declaration. It's not part of any part of Americana. It was a poem that, if memory serves, it was, it was, uh, it was a contest, wasn't it? To get uh, 
Yeah, I think I think that the the person who put up the poem was a was a, a contestant. So it is by no means law uh, uh, have the the binding of law. But Jim Acosta is either stupid enough to think it does, or he's hoping the audience that watches CNN will be stupid enough to think it does. Oh, I've got much more on Mr. Acosta coming up. Chris Salcedo Show. And there is a point, ladies and gentlemen. There is a point. It's the reason why I think this is important for you in your life. You must, because Jim Acosta is not the only one. He's not the only one who is masquerading news that you would need to be an informed voter, an informed individual. He's not the only one masquerading as news propaganda. And you need to know how to spot propaganda. And I'm going to give you some tools next on the Chris Alcedo Show. Be right back. Dial in, let it out. 888-900-3393. This is the Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network. Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. All right, folks, welcome back. So let's listen a little more to Jim Acosta, shall we? Listen in. Uh, aren't you trying to change what it means to be an immigrant coming into this country? If, if you're telling them uh, you have to speak English, uh, can't people learn how to speak English when they get here? Well, first of all, right now, it's a requirement that to be naturalized, you have to speak English. So the notion that Speaking English wouldn't be a part of our immigration systems would be actually very ahistorical. Secondly, I don't want to get off into a whole thing about history here, but the Statue of Liberty is a symbol of liberty enlightening the world. It's a symbol of American liberty lighting the world. The poem that you're referring to that was added later is not actually part of the original Statue of Liberty, but more fundamentally, the so history, saying, so they, saying, but more fundamentally, you're saying the that history. That does not represent I'm saying that. What I'm the saying that the notion. I'm saying the notion that the. I'm saying the notion. I'm sorry. No, that sounds like, that sounds Jim, like, let me ask you a question. That sounds like some uh, national park revisionism. He sat on that line for the entire briefing, and you could tell as he raised his voice, national park revisionism. Now, it got a chuckle out of his colleagues, which is why he delivered it. And that is Jim Acosta's opinion. Is that what a journalist does, folks? Is that what a journalist is supposed to do? No. That's what a talk show host does. That's what I do. Listen to this again. So notion, I'm saying the notion that the con- I'm saying the notion. I'm sorry. And, and you hear him, Stephen. I'm sorry. And other, I I just have to I just have to say this. This is Jim Acosta, an alleged journalist. Stephen, I'm sorry. No, that you're, like, you're, that Jim. Like, let me ask you a question. That sounds like some uh, national park revisionism. National park revisionism. And. Uh, anybody who knows and understands the history of the, the Statue of Liberty knows that it's the truth. Knows that poem didn't come with the statue. France didn't give us that poem. 
France didn't even give us the podium that, that the Statue of Liberty sits on. I think that, didn't they have to do a fundraiser to, to put that up? Ron, do me a favor. Look that up really quickly. Look, look, up, look up the base, because I'm just, I'm doing this. The base of the Statue of Liberty. See if you can find, I think, I think they had to do a fundraiser for it because government money back then, they wouldn't spend government money on something like this. If, if, if memory serves, I think it was our responsibility to create that podium. And I don't know if the contest for the poem was, was part of this or not. But at any rate, Jim Acosta showing right there his complete ignorance. National Park revisionism. As if there was some sort of historical or law significance to that poem. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Batches. I don't have to show you any stinking batches. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. And breaking news right now. Two items, ladies and gentlemen. First, uh, Donald Trump's holding a a rally tonight in West Virginia. And according to the New York Times and other sources, West Virginia's governor, who is a Democrat, is going to switch parties to the Republican Party this evening. That's one bit of breaking news. Again, New York Times, other sources. The Washington... What is this? Not the Washington Post. It's the uh, Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal is reporting that Bob Mueller has impaneled a grand jury in the in the Russia probe. The White House appears to be downplaying this because it's the Russia probe and their interference in our elections. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything untoward that the Trump administration has to worry about. As we all remember, James Comey assured the president he was not under investigation three separate times. And I, I still, if there had been evidence that Donald Trump was in any way involved with the Russians, it would have already come out. Anyhow, uh, so that's happening right now. We'll get you some more breaking news when we get to the flip around. After we finish up with Jim Acosta, uh, Jim Acosta Ladies and gentlemen, it, there, there is an, an axiom in journalism is never make yourself the story. Jim Acosta never learned that. Jim Acosta, as a matter of fact, seeks to make himself the story. It's so much when the, uh, the briefings went all audio or all print and they took the cameras away. Because Jim Acosta couldn't get his 15 minutes over and over and over again. So here is Jim Acosta, once again, acting as if the poem on the Statue of Liberty has the force of law. 
No, the what I'm asking you is... The Statue of Liberty Jim, has always Jim, been let me ask you a question. of hope to the world Jim, for people to say... Jim, do you believe... ...people to this country, Jim, and they're not always going to speak Jim, English, Stephen. Jim, they're not do you always believe, going to be highly skilled. They're not always Jim, going to be... Jim, 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 I... I uh, this crap went on and on and on and on. And, it, I mean, it, it bears pointing out, is there a question anywhere in here, Jim Acosta? Because he just goes on and on about his views. That is not the behavior of a real journalist, ladies and gentlemen. Now, much much has been said about fake news. Jim Acosta is a fake journalist. He is a propagandist disguised as a journalist, a fake journalist. And he continued. I appreciate your speech, Jim. I appreciate your speech. So let's let's talk about this. Jim, let's talk about this. In 1970, when we let in 300,000 people a year, was that violating or not violating the Statue of Liberty law of the land? In, 19, in the 1990s, when it was half a million a year, was it violating or not violating the Statue of Liberty law of the land? Was it violating? When it was 700,000 a year. No, tell me what years. And the, and the tell me what years. Tell- See, Acosta knows at this point that he's caught. Acosta knows at this point that he's been up there giving his opinion. And so that he, and this is why journalists don't do this, is because you open the door to having to answer questions when you make stupid statements. So what, the tables have been turned by White House policy advisor Stephen Miller asking Jim Acosta, hey Jim, is since you're so upset about us cutting it down to 500,000, uh, what makes you think that's not the proper number? Because this number has fluctuated throughout America's history. So tell us what the actual number is, Jim, since you seem to be the authority. Nobody elected you, but you seem to be the authority. Tell me what years meet, tell me what years meet Jim Acosta's definition of the Statue of Liberty poem, Law of the Land. So you're saying a million a year is the Statue of Liberty number. 900,000 violates it, 800,000 violates it. Yeah. He, he didn't want to answer because he realized he opened himself up for this. Jim Acosta was thoroughly embarrassed yesterday. I mean, and we said this after, the, after we laughed at Jim Acosta on this program, that the White House advisor, Stephen Miller, wiped the floor with him. Wiped the floor with him. We tweeted it out. I very rarely do tweets during the show. But yesterday, I felt so compelled... I, because of what I had just witnessed. And remember, folks, I used to do what Jim Acosta does. I used to be in news. So I know news anchors when I see them, and he's, or news reporters, he's not one of them. He's a propagandist, an attention whore. Now, here is Jim Acosta claiming that English, the English-only policy, and it's not the sum total of the policy, folks. It, it has something to do with uh, th- th- this merit-based scale that if you speak English, it's going to put you higher on the list. It's going to be a, a positive mark for you. Whereas leftists and liberals like Jim Acosta don't think that your language should be, should be a barrier to entering the United States. And technically, it's not under these new rules. It just, it, it's, a, it's a mark in your favor that you will be able to communicate with the vast majority of the people who are here in the United States. So listen to the outrageous claims, and some say racist claims, 
of Jim Acosta. And yes, they may learn English as a second language later on in life. So, but, but this, whole, this whole notion of, well, they could learn, you know, they have to learn English before they get to the United States. Are we just going to bring in people from Great Britain and Australia? Are we going to bring in just people from Great Britain and Australia? Okay, now, now bear in mind, folks, Jim Acosta has shown his ignorance throughout this entire dressing down he got yesterday at the White House. How much he just doesn't know about the history of immigration in this country, the various levels of immigration that have been, have been set by our government throughout history. He doesn't know. He doesn't care to read. And now he's made an astonishing claim that this policy, with its English-only components, and it's not English-only, it's just English language merit, is somehow tantamount to restricting immigration to the UK and Australia. Now, what does that say? That says that in Jim Acosta's little mind, and folks, I have to tell you, it is a very little mind. Most left-wing liberal progressives who make stupid statements like this do have very little minds. That the sum total of the English-speaking world resides in Australia and the UK. And all it would have taken was a, a quick search by Mr. Acosta on the World Wide Web to know and understand that as of 2015, there were 54 sovereign states and 27 non-sovereign entities in our world that have English as the official language. That's 81 total. Not to mention other nations on the planet where English is a co-language. So 81 at least countries are English-speaking, at least. But if you watch CNN and you listen to Jim Acosta, you're left with the impression that only the UK and Australia speak English and that this, this rule change restricts immigration to only those two countries. And it's nonsense. It's complete and utter tripe. And Jim Acosta, who is supposed to be a reporter and just reporting the facts, makes a statement, a statement, not a question, a statement that this policy restricts immigration to the UK and Australia alone. And of course, He opened the door. This is why journalists don't do this, folks, with those who are in the political realm like Stephen Miller. Because you open yourself and your news organization up to getting a spanking. And he and Jim Acosta got one. Jim, actually, I have to honestly say I am shocked at your statement that you think that only people from Great Britain and Australia would know English. It's actually it reveals your cosmopolitan. Uh, bias to a shocking degree that in your mind, no, this is an amazing, this is an amazing moment. This is an amazing moment that you think only people from Great Britain or Australia would speak English is so insulting to millions of hardworking immigrants who do speak English from all over the world. Jim, have you honestly, Jim, have you honestly never met 
a an immigrant from another country who speaks English outside of Great Britain and Australia? Is that your personal experience? Of course, there are people who come. But that's not what you said, and it shows it shows your cosmopolitan bias. And I just want to say, like you're trying to engineer the racial and ethnic flow of people into this country. Ethnic flow, what? Eighty-one sovereign states and non-sovereign states weren't enough for Jim Acosta. Not to mention those from all over the world who have been speaking the language of freedom and commerce for the better part of a hundred years, English over a hundred years. Is Jim Acosta really this stupid? That is one of the most outrageous, insulting, ignorant, and foolish things you've ever said. I agree. I agree. And this man is lauded and praised by CNN who praises and lauds that type of ignorance. And dare I say, it's borderline racist. What, you don't think a Kenyan can learn English? You don't think uh, somebody from Zimbabwe knows English? Do you actually, Jim Acosta, do you actually think that English is confined to Great Britain and Australia? You know nothing, twit. This is CNN, folks. I'll be back in a minute. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network. to the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, John was just giving me uh, an instant message telling me his wife's a naturalized citizen from India, speaks better English than he does. <laughs> Anywho, uh, let, let me. Uh, this is going to be a short edition of the flip around today, folks, because, uh, well, we had Facebook Live uh, first thing off, and then uh, I wanted to spend a good deal of time talking about Glenn Thrush and Jim Acosta. Let's go over to MSNBS first. I wonder what they're talking about. <clears throat> Russia, 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 Where they've Russia. pushed back on health care. They've started to, to signal that they're maybe not afraid of him. I think the combination of, of hearing that this investigation has you know, moved into a phase where there's a grand jury and paneled, according to the Wall Street Journal, and that he knows that Republicans are really watching carefully his next moves, that, that combination could be pretty combustible for the president. All right, Julie Pace, it's a treat to have you with us. Thanks for spending some time with us. You too, Kendallani, and we thought you'd never come back from Aspen. <laughs> Great to be uh, here. Our thanks to Kristen Welker, who had to run off. <laughs> from Aspen. Oh, my. Thank you for joining us from Aspen. Welcome back from Aspen. Hello, lovey. Pass me, Teddy. Will you please? Uh, of course, they were focused in on the uh, announcement of the impaneling of a grand jury. The White House, again, signaling not a big deal. They were expecting this. Uh, but again, just because Mueller is impaneling an investigation into Russia in attempted influence on our election doesn't necessarily mean bad news for Trump, but I'm just going to watch it all unfold. Let's get over to CNN. It was one way in which Trump presumably could get 
Mueller fired. I so right. I was so thinking Kelly as chief of staff, yeah. I think, gives a certain, uh, makes it harder for Trump. It, it takes away Trump's flexibility, well, in my view, in dealing with Mueller. I was more, thinking of the scoop one day before, which was that John Kelly, when Less Comey had been fired, right, right. called Comey, offered his sympathies, and said at some point something about think contemplation of resignation, though he wouldn't. Right. Yeah, that's a, the first day General Kelly takes over as chief of staff, he's a victim of leaks. The very leaks that Scaramooch was brought in to stop. And the minute that Scaramooch was out, here come the leaks again. Uh, One gets the impression that this president is up against it. And I want to be careful here. If these individuals who are operating politically... To, remo- to try to remove this president. I, I do not fancy what comes next from the country. I just don't. Let's get over to Fox. That they should or may uh, step down. It says they shall. All right. Uh, that was from Arizona Republican Congressman Trent Franks yesterday telling me uh, Mueller has to go. Now, that's before we got this revelation of a grand jury being unbound on the part. Part of uh, Mr. Mueller here, but I want to get the fallout from this because some in Congress think that would be a horrible idea to fire the guy now in the middle of all of this, especially now, I suppose. Uh, Fox senior Capitol Hill producer Chad Pergram on that. How is that being received, that idea, fire the guy? Well, prior to uh, the uh, announcement here about the uh, the grand jury investigation, there were two pieces of legislation went, which were introduced today to try to protect the special counsel. Cory Booker uh, put together a bill with Lindsey Graham. Another bill has been uh, put together by Tom Tillis, Republican of North Carolina, along with Chris Coons, a Democrat from Delaware. Basically, they, if, if the special counsel were to be fired, they would give them an appeal process, a 14-day window where they would go before the three-judge panel, which oversees the special counsel here in Washington, D.C., where they could make their case to that three-judge panel to stay on. And none of this smells right. And when you have establishment folks from both parties seeking to protect the special counsel, it, I got to say, it smells like a, uh, a setup uh, designed to get rid of this interloper, this citizen politician who won election. Like I said, I, these, these people in Washington, I think, are making a very dangerous assumption that the, that the American people are going to accept this obvious attempt to protect their turf on on at on behalf of themselves not on behalf of the country now does that mean that i believe that donald trump is doing everything right no but what it does mean is that the american people sent him up there for a reason because this kind of stuff the grand jury impaneling the special pro- uh, counsel all of this stuff is precisely what drives Americans nuts. Absolutely nuts. Rod Rosenstein, I think, ought to be looked at very seriously.
uh, this was a mistake from day one. But at this point, politically speaking, I'm going I'm to talk politically, it, it would be foolish for the president to Uh, if I, if anything, I would make sure that the president uh, got out as many surrogates as he could and made sure that all the leaks that come out of Mueller's investigation are sensationalized. And it points out how much of a loose ship and a political ship he's running. I would have biographies of all the lawyers he has hired. The fact they're Democrat donors, the fact that they are uh, left-wing progressives, who hate the president. And I would make sure the American people know and understand precisely what's going on here. It's a fishing expedition. It's a witch hunt. They're looking for something. The same way these special counsels have done in the past. Special prosecutors have done in the past. And, of course, the press, it's they're just happy. They get to keep on saying, Russia, Russia, Russia. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. All day long. And it's all an effort to curtail the agenda of of Donald Trump, which is decidedly anti-Washington. All right, back in a minute, folks. We'll talk to Maria Bartiromo from Fox Business on the Chris Alcedo Show here on The Blaze. Don't go anywhere. This is actually real news. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze on The Blaze Radio Network. Taking in a little Latin flair with Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. You know, the the economy's taken off, folks. Uh, the most growth in American companies, the most profits they've had in six years. I just came out in the Wall Street Journal just the other day. Let's talk about this and many other things with Maria Bartiromo, anchor and global markets editor at Fox Business. Which she joined back in 2014. She anchors Mornings with Maria on Fox Business Network, 6 to 9 Eastern. That's in the morning, folks. And on Sunday Morning Futures, the most watched Sunday morning program on cable. Maria, welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show for the very first time. Chris, it's great to talk with you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, what do you think about that? The economy and, and, and all the good moves that are being made in the first six, seven months of the Trump administration. Nobody's talking about it much, except for you, maybe. Well, look. I think that uh, it's clearly uh, obvious that things are getting better, that uh, profits are a major story, because in the first quarter, you had corporate profits for the S&P 500 up 14 percent. In the second quarter right now, uh, you're talking about expectations of an 11 percent move in terms of growth and profits. Uh, even more important is revenue, because obviously you can cut costs and, you know, dress up earnings to make them look as as, as good as possible. But you really mm-hmm. cannot uh, change revenue and revenue this quarter is up about six percent. So I think what you're seeing is for the first time in about a decade, uh, certainly the last eight years, you're seeing companies uh, slowly but surely loosen the purse strings because they've been sitting on cash for for, for eight years, uh, unwilling to really put it to work in terms of job creation, in terms of investment in R and D and IT, um, because they they were strangled with regulations. Number one. And, you know, the end market demand story was unclear. 
But now, President Trump, having rolled back all of these regulations in, you know, uh, Dodd-Frank, the financial services industry, the energy industry, um, you really have a loosening up and an anticipation, an anticipation of things getting better. So corporates are now spending a little more money. It's very it's, it's very positive. Yeah, you took me right where I wanted to go because I, deregulation is huge. And this is stuff that Trump is doing all on his own because of the, the gridlock with uh, the Democrats and the never-Trumper Republicans versus the, the pro-Trump Republicans. Can't get anything done in Congress. But what he's doing on his own, uh, recent survey said that uh, since 2009, uh, Barack Obama had instituted 600 major regulations that put a burden on the economy to the tune of 743 billion dollars so trump's deregulation is well if i can borrow a phrase huge uh for those in business yes that's absolutely right and you know the deregulation in terms of uh the cost of it was 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 killing companies as well because remember over the last eight years the hiring that you saw going on was largely in compliance legal companies lawyering up because mm. they had to because what they were facing were lawsuits from the government you know, demands of, of fines, higher taxes, higher fees, you know, tighter regulation with uh, regulators basically moving in, living in the, in the investment bank, certainly, that's for sure. Um, but, but that's why that's what companies were spending their money on, you know, legal issues and hiring lawyers and not much left to do any other investing. You know, so I think it's really important to recognize that that is going away and that is a huge thing. And that's one of the reasons that you're seeing a better environment right now. Look, we, I, I think we're, we will need to see some tax reform. Um, and I think that's also major being anticipated. Um, so you'll continue to see things get better. But right now you see a good profit story. And so while when the president was first elected, there was a lot of anticipation. And I think that was the reason that the stock market obviously soared right after the election. But then after the inauguration, a couple of months in, people started to lose some confidence in terms of too much getting mm -hmm. done. We saw the breakdown yeah. in terms of health care and tax reform. And so things settled out. Market was not rallying the way it was. And then you saw profits picking up. Why? Because you are seeing a new focus from the business community to loosen the purse strings. You don't need the kind of folks and money spent on the regulatory situation. Maybe sure. that will be alleviated. And so there, you know, it's working. Yeah, I think it's, it's very it's, powerful. It's a, no, it's a difference between a, an, an, uh, an anti-business occupier of the Oval Office and a pro-business uh, president. Uh, Maria Bartiromo is our, is our guest right now, folks, from Fox Business. And uh, you, I'm going to get to tax reform here in a minute, but I wanted to ask you your opinion. We, we got ADP jobs numbers out the other day, and they were a little below expectation. And I've always wondered this. ADP... And the government numbers on jobs always different. <laughs> you know, they, they never tell the same story. They never they, they right. rarely coalesce. Which one do you trust more? And and which one gives the better outlook as to the real jobs picture in the country? Well, I think that really the most accurate would be the U6, the unemployment uh, rate, not the national unemployment rate, which is 4.3 percent to 4.4 percent right now. We're expecting it to go to 4.3 percent tomorrow. Um, but more so, I think the U6 is above uh, around 8 percent, I think, actually, because that is including the people who have stopped looking consistently. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's probably the most accurate. But look, these are different gauges, you know, ADP versus versus the Labor Department. I think what it shows you is 
we are almost at full employment right now. Things have improved, even though you've got a, a you know a, a bad participation rate. You've got a lot of people who've stopped looking and they're not participating. But the bigger issue is wages, and wages really haven't moved. So there's a real quandary going on. Even though the the employment situation has improved, wages have not moved much. And so yeah. the question is, how do you get wages moving? You know, I mean, and I think this actually connects the dots with immigration as well. And this is what the president is saying in terms of his immigration plans, because when you do have more supply, more supply of workers, you know, looking for the same jobs, of course, you're going to see wages stay low. And yep. so that it makes a lot of sense. It's, it's common sense. And so yeah, and I then- think that, you know, yeah. It also does has some connective tissue to tax reform as well. To, you, you, you asked the question, you know, what, what could be done to get wages to go up? And let me just ask you your opinion. How essential is it for the, the economic growth of this country to, to, to rein in and reform that 75,000-page monstrosity that, that is, in my mind, unbefitting the American people called the tax code? Right. It is absolutely critical that we see tax reform. I don't think you're going to get to 3% economic growth without tax reform. I mean, things, you know, things are getting better, but there's no, you know, there's no reason to believe that they can't just sort of, you know, splutter along for a long time without a real catalyst. Everybody agrees that corporate taxes, number one, need to come down. Mm -hmm. You know, this double taxation in terms of uh, having money overseas, that needs to come down, become territorial. Uh, individual rates need to come down. And so I, I think, and of course, as you mentioned, the simplification. So this is what they're trying to do. I do believe that they are going to achieve this by year end. I don't know that it will be as detailed tax reform package that they would have liked to see, because in my opinion, they should have started with tax reform and then gone to health care. But obviously there were reasons to do health care first, and then that yeah. tripped them up. Um, but I do think they're going to get something done because they recognize that they have this opportunity. And, they're, and I think there's more common ground when it comes to tax reform, although there will be battles. You know, the oh, administration yeah. oh, in yeah. Congress right now, they're putting on a face for all of August that they are going to, you know, deal with tax reform and explain to the American people why this has to be done. But as Mark Meadows said the other day, if there's not a bill on the president's desk by Thanksgiving, it's unlikely that it gets done in 2017. Uh, well, so you we'll know the old saw. Very aggressive timeline. Yeah, you know the old saw, Maria, that uh, good policy makes for good politics. I hope the Republicans remember that. Maria Bartiromo, everybody. She's over there on FBN. You can catch her her programs. Well, she's all over the place. You see her on Fox News Channel as well. And she is one of the go-to people on the economy. Thank you for making time for the Chris Salcedo Show. Yeah, Chris, just so you know, my morning show is really where I am every day. Mornings with Maria from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern. You got it, lady. Thank you very much for being here. All right, folks, back in a minute. We'll wrap up the show coming up right here on The Blaze. Keep up with The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on The Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo Show. Listen, dial, speak. 888-900-3393.
All right, welcome back, everybody. It's Chris Salcedo Show. Glad you've tuned in. Uh, Sarah Carter, who works over at Circa News, has just has just tweeted something that I I can't even believe this. I I I I really don't understand why this is. Uh, Sarah Carter says my latest, and this this is her piece. A letter from H.R. McMaster said that Susan Rice will keep her top secret security clearance. And now, mind you, this is a woman who is who is being investigated for improperly unmasking American citizens for political purposes. This is a woman who lied to the nation on five separate Sunday shows about what the cause of Benghazi was. This is a... How is it that H.R. McMaster can see fit to, to, to keep this woman in a national security position? Hold on a second. Is there, I'm reading this on my, on my iPhone, so forgive me, folks. I'm trying to... Um, Dear Susan, the National Security Council... Security office has informed me you have an active, top-secret, sensitive compartment and information clearance sponsored by the NSC and maintained by the Office of Administration of Personnel Security Office. Why? What possible good for the country can Susan Rice having a security clearance have? I... I got to be honest with you. I'm I'm very much perplexed. Um, that's very interesting. Did you guys see the story that was out there about uh, this woman whose son was getting bullied by another nine-year-old? She takes the bully, the nine-year-old bully, takes him and shaves his head in an act of retaliation. Um, who, <laughs> Eureka Police. This is, uh, where is this? Uh, Eureka Police say it's a case unlike any they've seen before. A mother is accused of shaving a neighbor's head and writing on his forehead. She just distinctively went into beast mode, you know. She, she should have got the other kids' parents involved, says Bill Constantine. Another person adding, gosh, I can't believe that she would do that. That's just terrible. Those are some of the reactions from people hearing about a 34-year-old mother accused of retaliating against a 9-year-old boy. Case is heading to a St. Louis County Prosecutor's Office. So I guess Eureka is a suburb of St. Louis out there in Missouri. Police say a woman's nine-year-old daughter was spending the night with the boy's sister in the Legend Terrace apartment complex. Investigators say the boy went into the room where the girls were and pulled the neighbor's girl's hair. When she sat up, the boy told police he accidentally hit her in the chest. (laughs) Accidentally. When she went home, police say she told the mother she was touched inappropriately. Oh, boy. 
The day the nine-year-old boy went to the neighbor's house looking for his sister and the mother of the young girl who was upset with the young boy pulled him into the apartment, shaved his head. And that's not all. Police say the woman wrote the word pervert with a felt-tip pen on the boy's forehead. That mother is facing now assault charges. Come on. Remember we were talking about adults earlier? (laughs) Oh, man, alive. I understand the instinct to protect your kids. But as as an adult, you can't do those kinds of things. I didn't get a chance to get into this today. We'll probably get into it tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Dreamer accused of brutally raping a woman in Seattle. I don't think he's a dreamer. I think he's a DACA recipient, but... Lastly, about the whole Acosta stuff, took a call from one of the earlier shows, and this is what it sounded like. Listen to this. Welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show. Thank you, Chris. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you for taking my call. Pleasure, I was, sir. I just wanted to make a comment on this exchange between Stephen Miller, who is the White House spokesperson on immigration, and he's a gun on immigration. And you have Jim Acosta trying to get into a debate with him. What was scary about that exchange was is that Jim Acosta – you have a combination of a biased journalist from a biased media and an ignorant guy. That's a deadly combination of a person sitting in there wow. trying to, re- to make a report. So it's not the fact that he doesn't know. It showed that he doesn't want to even read. Yeah, he doesn't want to even read. J- Jim, Jim Acosta, and, and we've said this before, Jim Acosta loves himself some Jim Acosta. And it appears the only reading Jim Acosta does is his own stuff. So he's not learning much. But what Amir there, that's that's the name of the caller, was making reference to was the fact that Jim Acosta is biased and he's not apparently not well read. And that is a deadly, and he said deadly combination. He's absolutely correct. Because this is a guy who's supposed to be in charge of informing us. And that's the lesson of the day, folks. You have to learn to know and understand the difference between when you're getting... And Jim Acosta isn't the only one out there undertaking propaganda, masquerading as news. All right, that's going to do it for the show today, folks. Remember, a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.